listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. We have been in this summer series, so grab your journals, open them up, get ready to take some notes, grab your iPad, grab your iPhone, take some notes there, because we've been on this summer road trip through the book of Philippians, discovering these things. Take a look on the screen at this first slide. This is what we've been working to discover through the summer. We've been discovering how to have joy in difficult times, how joy sustains us when the path is lonely and dry. And how joy gives us strength to overcome obstacles and how to share joy with those who are broken down on the side of the road. Those who need a little bit of joy in their life. This is what we've been looking for this summer. And I so appreciate it. Can we tell him one more time? Pastor Jared teaching us over the last few weeks. Give him a big hand. Such a blessing. God wants you to know and experience joy throughout your journey. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a passing thing as well. It's not just fleeting like happiness. And God gives us this roadmap through Philippians, through the writings of Paul, on how to experience joy consistently. And uh, we've journeyed through chapters 1, chapters 2, and chapters 3 of Philippians this summer. And now we're rounding the corner into the fourth and final chapter of Philippians. So let's get ready. Everybody hold up the number four right here. Wave at me out in the back. Come on, outside four. We're moving into chapter four. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It has some of my favorite verses that I have memorized over the 35 years that I've been following Jesus. And I would recommend that you would memorize some of these scriptures as well. The reason we memorize is not just to do some sort of religious duty, to some sort of check off the list of, oh, look how holy I am. Actually, we memorize scripture so that the Holy Spirit can then have something to draw from. When you're facing a difficult decision, when you're facing an obstacle or a challenge, the Holy Spirit can remind you of God's word. And so that's why we memorize. That's why we do this. So that when we face those challenges or disappointments, the Holy Spirit can remind us of God's word. This week, we're going to start off and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the four mile markers on how to have joy. If you've been following with us, you may have noticed that when the Apostle Paul talks about joy, he deals with our minds and our thoughts. The mind is the battlefield of our lives. It's where we struggle. It's where we fight. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how little money you have. The mind is the place where the enemy can come and attack and cause you to worry, to fret, to doubt, and to be scared. I was talking with some friends here this morning, and we were talking about the different movies that we like to watch. And I'm not a big horror movie person because my mind is so vivid and I have such a visual imagination that I don't like to remember those things. 
that I watched. Now, some of you like, like, you like to be jumped, you like to be scared, you like to go on the roller coasters and whoo, you get scared. I don't really like that. That's not a thing that I really enjoy. Matter of fact, I remember the first scary movie I went and saw when I was a little kid. I was at somebody's house and I think it was called The Thing or The Hand and it was this disembodied hand that would crawl across the room and work its way up the bed and choke somebody. And I remember watching that as a little, yeah, I was watching that as a little kid thinking, oh my gosh. And I still to this day, when I go to bed, I'll look out there going, there's no hand down there, is there? <laughs> you come get me. My mind remembers those things. And so it's important to guard what goes into your brain because we do. That's where the enemy can use those thoughts to get at us. The enemy of God knows that if he can get our mind off of God, off of his word, then he can influence us. He can distract and he can destroy you. Because take a look what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, some of you ladies in here are going, well, that's fine for men, but what about women? Well, this is in the generic sense. This is referring to mankind. This is referring to humanity. So it's men and women. And so we could even say it this way. As a person thinks... That's who they are. As you think, that's who you are. And we've heard over the years the science of visualization, right? We've heard the science of positive thinking and personal affirmation. And scientists and psychological, psycho, psychologists, psychological people, psychologists all agree the way we think determines the directions, determines the effort, determines what we will do. Matter of fact, Psychology Today, in an article on, on visualization, talks about sports. And here's what uh, Psychology Today said in their article. They said, sports athletes and motivational coaches state, those who have learned how to visualize desired outcomes and exercise positive thinking, achieve great victories over adversity. I love that quote. I wrote that out and I put that in there to say, the way we think, and I put it right next to that scripture, the way we think gives us the power to achieve great victories. And listen, this is a true principle that's not new to psychology. Though some in the sports world would say, well, yeah, you know, it was back in the 70s when this idea, when this thought really came into being. Well, no, this was discovered years and years, hundreds of thousands of years ago, because the Bible originated the importance of visualization and right thinking. I appreciated Christina up here talking about how we worship and get our thinking in right alignment. Right thinking is critical to us experiencing joy. Right thinking. Everybody say right thinking. Mm. So as we jump into chapter four, we're going to start at verse one. And I'm going to read all the way to verse nine. And I want you to listen to the instructions from the Holy Spirit in regards to right thinking. Let's take a look. Philippians chapter four, beginning at verse one. Paul says, therefore, so now after chapters one, two, and three, he says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord, period. Good statement. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. 
Now I appeal to you, Yodia, and Sitke, however you pronounce those two names, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life, period. I'm going to pause there for a second and give you guys a little uh, talk about what's happening here before we jump into the rest. Paul's doing what I just did before I started my message. He's pastoring the people. He's, he's addressing a concern. Uh, these two ladies had some sort of disagreement. They were arguing. They were broken down. And so it was causing a division in the church of Philippi. And so Pastor Paul has to address this. He's being very pastoral. Uh, I understand this because I feel the same joy when you grow in the Lord. And when there's discord or separation, my heart aches for you. So Pastor Paul is bringing some instruction to the church of Philippi. And then he jumps into the message and he shifts gears from pastor to coach. Take a look. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. One version says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Father God, in Jesus' name, as your word has gone out, I pray against the enemy that would try to rip these men and women off. May this word be planted in their hearts, take root, and produce a harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts off as pastor, encouraging, challenging, and saying, come on, resolve your disagreement. Then in verses two through three, Pastor Paul, I'm sorry, in verse four, he shifts to coach. And in Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's all say that together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He repeats himself. And I love to play with words. And I, I kind of started breaking down this word rejoice. It's the word joy. And I, I broke it down, as you can see. I broke it into three parts. Re, joy, and s. Rejoice. And in my mind, I begin to break this down. I go, well, you know, re means again, right? Like renew, to make new again. To repeat, to say it again. So that little beginning of that word re means again. And then joy, well, we know joy. They, they put an I in there instead of a Y. Joy means joy. And the C-E at the end sounds like the word choice, right? Choice. So when I hear that, I hear rejoice. I hear again, choose joy. 
again, choose joy. So in essence, Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Choose joy again. And again, I say choose joy again. And again, I say choose joy again. And again, I, he could keep going on and on and on and on. It's like that old thing. You know, Pete and repeat were on a fence. If Pete fell off, who would be left? Did you hear that? Try that again. If Pete and repeat were on a fence and Pete fell off, who would be left? Repeat. If Pete and repeat were on a fence and Pete fell off, who would be left? Exactly. If Pete and, that's exactly what's happening here. If joy and rejoice were on a fence and joy fell off, who would be left? Rejoice. Choose joy again. Choose joy. It's a choice that we make. And how do we do that? Why does he say again and again, choose joy? And I think there's an emphasis, and the reason why was because of the following verse in verse 6. Take a look at this verse. The following verse says this. Let's all read it together. Ready? Begin. Don't worry about anything. Pause, 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 pause. <laughs> what does Paul do? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, don't worry. Don't worry. He starts by saying, choose joy again, because why? Because we worry. Because we worry. We worry, don't we? The English word for worry or anxiousness that we find here in verse 6 is actually translated from the Greek word, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, marinao. Marinao. Sounds like a Hawaiian word, actually. Marinao is the Greek word that we translate into worry or anxiousness. The literal translation of marinao means to pull in two different directions. Marinao means to pull this way and to pull that way. And I can see how that would define the word worry because we fill our hearts with hope and we're going in this direction. And what does fear do? It tries to pull us in the opposite direction. Hope leads us down this road. Fear pulls us down this road. And what happens in the middle? That tension, that's worry. Hope, fear, hope, fear, worry. Right there in the middle. And there's a tension that so many people live in and almost constantly live in. The old English word for worry came from the word to strangle or to choke out. That would be the old English, old uh, 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 Shakespearean word would mean to choke. And I think that's appropriate as well. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever worried so much that you feel like it's choking the life out of you? You don't want to get up. You don't want to move on. You just want to stay in one place. In fact, there are physical effects too, aren't there? Headaches, stomach aches, ulcers muscle pain, it can keep you living in this place between fear and hope and never being who God's created you to be, never achieving the things God has called you to do. It can paralyze you. That's why the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't worry. Don't worry. The pulling and the choking paralyzes us mentally, physically, and spiritually. Worry is a thief, and it wants to rip you off. Don't let it. Don't let it. And there's good news. 
God gives us the strategy to defeat worry, to have victory over worry and fear. Right there in verses six through nine, God gives us the roadmap to navigate through the, the barren desert of worry. And he gives us four, what I like to say, four mile markers through that desert. Because sometimes when you're worrying, it feels like, oh man, this is never going to end. Like driving out towards Las Vegas and you're going out there past needles and all those places like, man, this desert's hot. It's dry. What does the temperature gauge say? 100, 105, 110, 115, 130. Hell, man, it's getting hot. And you're looking for those mile markers. How much longer am I have to go through this? Well, I'm going to give you four mile markers on this journey that are going to help you get through that desert of worry. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 that gives us those mile markers. Let's all read this together out loud. Let's charge this atmosphere with God's word. Ready? Begin. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. He gives us the map right there. And there's four road signs that I'm going to show you, four mile markers to get us through that worry desert. The first one is pray. Everybody say pray. 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 Now, I don't know about you, but prayer can be a little intimidating, right? I remember as a young Christian, when I first said yes to Jesus, I was at church and I remember looking at the pastor and he'd get up there and pray this powerful prayer. He's quoting God's word. He's spitting. He's sweating. I'm thinking, man, I don't know that I'll ever be able to pray like that. And I can remember I was dating my uh, girlfriend at the time. Her name was Leah. Is Leah. Still is. Hasn't changed. And I remember going to their house, and I remember, man, I was a new Christian. I'd only been a Christian for, gosh, how maybe three months. And I go to their house, and I'm going to go have dinner with them, right? And I remember sitting down, and the uh, uh, first thing that happened was uh, Leah was drinking a glass of milk. And uh, somebody said a joke or something, and Leah spit all the milk out of her mouth. It came out of her nose and sprayed me. <laughs> Not a good first impression on Leah's part, I'll tell you right there. I went into the bathroom, I cleaned up, uh, her, her dad, Gil, gave me a t-shirt, I put it on, we came back to dinner, and then he said, hey, Kelly, do you want to pray for our meal? I've <laughs> only been a Christian for like three months, right? Uh, uh, sure. And I, I mean, have you ever been asked to pray and suddenly you start to get all nervous and say, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say, I don't want to blow this, I want to impress the girl, but hey, she just spit milk on me, so you know, hey. Um, yeah, I'll pray. Uh, God, uh, you're good. God, thank you for this food. Food. Um, what do they say? Over the teeth, through the gums, look out, stomach, here it comes. Amen. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say. And I loved it. My father-in-law was like, that was a good prayer. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, it was a good prayer. All right. I watched as I dated Leah because every day I would go to see her, there was an opportunity to pray. Now, I didn't get asked to pray anymore after that. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest prayer in the world. I didn't get asked anymore. But it seemed like every time I was there, Gil and Pam were praying about something or for someone. Whether a neighbor lost a dog or a family member lost a job, 
Or when we were saying thanks at a meal, there was always prayer happening at their house. And I remember about six months into dating Leah, I asked Gil about praying. I said, hey, Gil, um, I noticed you guys pray a lot. Is that what it takes to be a Christian is to pray a lot? And Gil was so patient with me. He goes, no, it doesn't take that to be a Christian. We pray a lot because we want to invite God into every situation. We want him because he is smarter than me. He cares more than I do. And so I invite him in. And it's not about what you say. It's how you say it with your heart. And so I learned to grow that I could just talk to God. And I feel some of the most powerful prayers are when a person sincerely comes to God with the heart and says, God, help. I need you. Simple words. It's not about how flowery they are. It's about the condition of the heart. Because the reality is God the Father cares and he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And so he's waiting to be invited into your situation. We tend to only pray about the big things, right? Man, the poop's hitting the fan. Now I better pray. And I'm going to lose my job. Uh, run out of gas, get into a car accident, somebody's sick, that's when I pray. But God is saying, hey, I want to talk to you every day. The little things matter to God. Talking to God about everything that concern you is your first step to getting a victory over worry. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. This is one of those great memory verses. It's two verses, it's really short. And look what it says. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. The Apostle Paul writing to another church in Thessalonica, always be joyful, never stop praying. How do you get filled with joy? Never stop praying. How do you experience joy always? Never stop praying. Thank you, God. God, I need help. Always, always praying. Second one is this. Tell. First one's pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Second one's tell. Now say tell. Tell. Listen, God is big enough. He's strong enough. He has a strong enough back to handle your complaints, your concerns, your questions, your doubts, and all your needs. He's a big God. He can handle it. Even Jesus, when he was here on earth, you know what he did? He prayed to the Father about his desires and his concerns. Bible says when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the olive grove of Gethsemane, he knew he was heading for the cross. And he told the Father his concerns. Take a look what it says in Matthew 26. It says that Jesus, he went on a little further from the other followers, and he bowed with his face to the ground praying. And here's what Jesus prayed. My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Pause there for a second. Listen, Jesus was fully God and fully man, and the fully man part of him is going, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Oh, God, if there's another way, if there's another way, Father, if there's another way. Jesus taught us that we can come to the Father and bring all of our needs to him. If there's another way, Lord. But of course, then Jesus realigns his thinking and says, yet... Your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, God. 
See, when our heart hurts, God cares. He wants you to let him. He wants you to let him in so he can intervene and accomplish his plan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Cast all. Everybody say all. Come on, let's all say all. One, two, three. All. Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. This is kind of the picture of, of the weight that you're carrying being mm, shouldered onto God. And his shoulders are big and strong. Bigger and stronger than Dino's shoulders. God can take those burdens. Kind of reminds me of, of this story. When I was uh, younger, um, I'm going to go a little bit longer today, probably about 10 minutes longer because we did the family business at the beginning, and I really want you guys to get this word. When Lee and I were younger and stronger, we went and hiked the Grand Canyon. Has anybody hiked the Grand Canyon before? Yeah, when we were young and strong, we hiked the Grand Canyon. It was wonderful. We hiked in. We spent two nights down in the Havasupai Valley down there. It was absolutely wonderful. And then we hiked out. It was 10 miles into Havasupai. And then it was 10 miles out. So by the time we had stayed there for two nights, we had not recovered, and yet we still had to hike out. And I remember we were hiking out. I had my backpack. Leah had her backpack. And about halfway going up these switchbacks, up the side of the Grand Canyon wall, about halfway up, Leah collapsed because the backpack was just too much for her. So I walked over to Leah, and I go, let me carry that. She goes, no, 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 I've got it, I've got it. I can take it, I can handle it. And Leah has a little bit of pride. If you guys know Leah, she's, you know, she's a strong woman. She, there's no way she wants to be seen as weak. She goes, no, no, I got it. I go, Leah, I want to go home. I want to get out of here. Let me have the backpack. So I take the backpack, I've got mine on the front, and then I grab my arms between uh, her straps and I carry her backpack. Now it slowed us down, and I had to will myself every step of the way. And we slowly made our way up to the rim of the canyon, carrying her backpack and mine. I guess there were a couple of guys that had binoculars and they were watching from the rim of the canyon and they saw me, some weird guy carrying two backpacks up the mountain. And these two guys came running down the hill when we were about 100 yards uh, from the top. And they go, dude, can we help you with your backpacks? There was no pride in me. I'm like, absolutely. Take these off me. Get these out of here. Thank you so much. And these two guys took our backpacks and they carried our backpacks all the way up while Leah and I finished the hike. I felt so much lighter. Man, I felt like I could fly after those backpacks came off of me. Listen, God wants to do that. Don't be so prideful that you feel you have to carry these burdens. God says, cast those cares on me and I will carry them for you because he can handle it. All right, number three. Number three. First is pray, second is tell, and the third one is say thank. Everybody say thank. Thank. This is one of the key principles thankfulness. And you've heard me say this before, if you've been part of Refinery for any amount of time, thankfulness. When I start getting concerned and worried and fearful, I start going through the list of people and reasons and situations why I am thankful. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Bless the Lord again. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins, who heals all my disease, who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns me with love and mercy and restores my youth. I begin to remind myself why I'm thankful, why I should be thankful. Giving thanks literally pours water on the fire of worry. It begins to extinguish it. Now, if it's a big worry, you got to keep pouring more water on it. 
because it tries to light itself up and you got to give thanks again. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? When my girls were growing up, we used to watch a series of shows called Veggie Tales. Anybody all familiar with Veggie Tales? All right, y'all remember Veggie Tales. It's been around for over 20 years now. Guys like Phil Vischer and others created these Veggie Tales, and they wrote these songs that stick in your head and cannot come out. One of those songs was sung by a character by the name of Junior Asparagus. Junior, if you have never watched Veggie Tales, they're all vegetables and a fruit, because a tomato is a fruit, right? Anyways. Junior Asparagus sang this song, and my kids used to sing this song all around the house. And to this day, when I think of thankfulness, I think of this song. Take a look really quick. Thank you, Dad, for our day, for our trip to the mall, for the time just with me, for my big red bouncy ball, for the fun that we had. I'm so happy you're my dad. That's why I say thanks every day. Because a thankful heart is a happy heart. I'm glad for what I have. That's an easy way to start. For a God who really cares. And he listens to our prayers. That's why I say thanks every day. That's why we say thanks every day. Get stuck in your head. I promise you. Isn't that cute? So true. I loved my girls walking around the house singing this song. To this day, that still sticks in my head. And when I think about being thankful, I think Junior Asparagus saying, a thankful heart is a happy heart. I'm glad for what I've got. It's an easy place to start. Thankful heart is a happy heart. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. It says this. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know what they probably should have wrote there? Sing psalms and hymns and veggie tale songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we thank, we quench the fire of worry. We quench the fire of worry. Okay, fourth and last, and here we go. We're going to wrap it up. How do you combat worry? You pray. You tell, you thank, and finally, number four, think. Everybody say think. One, two, three, think. Our thoughts can drive us crazy, can't they? You can almost feel like you're going crazy, like, man, I can't get control of my thoughts. They just seem to go all these different places. Wrong thinking can lead to wrong feelings. I don't trust my feelings. I want to know what is true, because my, my feelings are subjective, Wrong thinking can lead to wrong feelings. And even though they can't be seen, you can't see your thoughts, they influence our life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And as I said at the beginning, the enemy wants to influence your thought life. Because as a person thinks, so they are. And this is what Paul says over in 2 Corinthians. He writes to the church in Corinth and he says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5 say, For the weapons of our warfare, so he's talking about spiritual battle, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not man-made. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it comes. Bringing every thought into captivity 
into the obedience of Christ. See, the enemy wants to control your thoughts, and he'll use these voices to begin to control your thoughts. you got to take control of those things, the Bible tells us. There's voices. There's culture. There's society. There's people who will say and do things that want to get your thoughts off of God's ways and God's word. It's true. These voices will try to change your thinking, and you've got to allow God's word to influence your thought life. For example, you may be going about your day and someone at work says, oh man, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, so-and-so, this, that, the other. And, and I'm so worried about so-and-so. Well, then your mind goes from carefree to now you begin to worry too. And now you begin to worry and fret. Instead of worrying, which does nothing for so-and-so, doesn't do any, worrying for so-and-so does nothing for so-and-so. I'd like to meet so-and-so. That's a strange name, huh? <laughs> worrying does nothing for so-and-so. Oh, I'm so worried for so-and-so. Yeah, what are you doing for so-and-so? How about we start doing what the Bible tells us to do and pray? Tell God and thank God. Stop worrying and begin to use the strategy that God gives us. Then spend the rest of your day or night thinking right thoughts. I'm going to invite the band to come up now. Thinking right thoughts. That's how we started, our thinking. And what are those right thoughts? Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. One final thing. Fix your thoughts. We have broken thoughts. Our minds get obsessed on what could be, what might turn out. Oh my gosh, the worry. The Apostle Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true. What's true? It's the place to start. What do you know that's true? What is honorable? The honorable thing. What is right and pure? Lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Pray. Tell God what your needs are. Thank him for what he's done. And now fix your thoughts. Think right thoughts. You do that and you're going to see worry come down and joy rise up. Oh, doesn't that sound good? Worry down and joy up. And when you do, the Bible promises here in Philippians 4, 7, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind for as long as you live. When you do these things, you've invited God in and his Holy Spirit will guard your heart and your mind. Can we do that right now? Can we pray? Can we pray? You might have some needs that you need to say, God, I'm going to bring these needs to you. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Let's tell God. Let's thank him for what he's done and begin to think on these good things. Yes, oh Lord God. 
we, I lift up this congregation. I lift up those who are watching us online and those out under the tent that God, as worry has risen up, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the peace of your Holy Spirit would begin to move in the hearts and minds of men and women that are listening. And that, oh Lord God, as worry has risen up, that the water of your Holy Spirit would wash over the fire of worry and begin to quench it, begin to lower it. And joy would rise up in place of worry in Jesus' name. Will you make this your prayer? Say, God, replace worry with joy. Come on right now. Peace of the Holy Spirit moving in hearts and lives. And as we sing this song, can we just continue to pray and believe that God is going to replace worry and fear with joy and peace? Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.